Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Four Pillar Fitness Podcast. This is episode 72 uh, that we've done so far. And this is Coach Phil Houston behind the microphone once again. And I'm excited to be with you guys today. I, I uh, put up an article a couple of days ago about uh, uh, how to be a crappy trainer. I'm going to kind of share that with you guys today via podcast for those of you who are podcast people, which is very different than being pod people, I think, if you've ever watched any science fiction movies. Anyway, before we get started, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're listening to us on iTunes, would you give us a five-star rating? If you like what you hear, obviously. If you don't, then don't. Um, and leave us a comment. Let people know some value here. Uh, it kind of spreads the word, lets people know uh, there's something to be something good here, and it'll get more people listening, and obviously we'll be able to do more stuff. Uh, so if you would do that for me, I would appreciate it. As always, you can reach me um, through Instagram, at Coach Phil Houston, to spell the last name right, H-U-E-S-T-O-N, um, at, through the website, at uh, CoachPhilHouston.com. Again, spell the last name right, H-U-E-S-T-O-N, or leave me a direct uh, voice message here at Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash four hyphen pillar hyphen fitness. All right. Now on to today's topic. Um, I, like I said, I wrote an article about this uh, just, just a couple days ago and uh, God was pretty well received. People seem to think it was pretty funny, but also poignant, I guess, is, is, the, is the, the word. Uh, the title of, the, of this podcast is five surefire ways to be a crappy coach or trainer. So I've been an observation of the fitness profession as well as a fitness professional for a really long time. And what I'm seeing a lot out there is that it looks like there's a lot of fitness coaches, you know, strength coaches, youth fitness coaches, personal trainers, or coaches all over our field who are just trying to be terrible. Um, I mean, maybe they're really not, but it sure as heck looks that way. Since I am a firm believer that people should be able to get what they really want and strive for, I thought I'd help those people out. So here are my five surefire ways to be a crappy coach or trainer. Number one, be a domineering tyrant because everyone loves these asshats, right? You know what I mean. You know who I mean, the my way or the highway kind of coach who think everything they say and do is gold and should be followed to the nth degree. I mean, just be sure to never ask your clients what they think about anything. Never involve them in the process. Avoid asking for feedback whenever possible. I mean, after all, the wrong kind of feedback might undermine your authority. Some of that feedback might actually make you question your decisions and your methods and even your own inflated ego. Also, make certain to never, I'm sorry, make certain to reinforce to your clients that you are the boss, not them. They have zero role to play in anything except absolute 100% compliance with your every decree, especially when you decide to change something in their program simply because it's cool or because you saw it on social media. In fact, they should be following the same coaches and influencers, quote unquote, that you follow and anticipating your thoughts even before you express them. And always punish them for things that, they have, no, that have no bearing on their fitness, but, uh, on their fitness, their nutrition, or their health, like being late. If your client comes in three minutes late, be sure to remind her that it's that same lazy attitude that led to her needing you in the first place. After all, behaviors like that are reflective of her lack of commitment and will lead to her failure. It has nothing to do with the five-car pileup, the next intersection, or the hundred quote-unquote mom things that she had to do just to get to the appointment in the first place. Oh, no, that's not it. It's just laziness, a lack of commitment, and an I-can't attitude. And last... Be sure to use accountability like a blunt instrument. If your client was traveling and failed to stay on his meal plan, hold his weak ass accountable with a snide, I don't put up with that kind of crap from my client's attitude. Your client had to cancel a session because her mom was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness and she wanted to be with her? Be certain to ruthlessly remind her that if she's serious about getting in shape, she won't let the possibility of the impending death of her mom get in the way of her workout schedule. You do whatever it takes to be a dominating, domineering, tyrannical asshat. Your clients are depending on it. Number two, be like the terrible parent. Good parents don't shelter their kids from every failure. 
Good parents don't push every possible stumbling block aside for their kids. Good parents teach their children to be resilient, purposeful, thoughtful, determined, and empathetic. Good parents end up with responsible, well-adjusted, and successful children. And yes, I'm fully aware and accepting of the fact that success means different things to different kids. So are good parents. They're aware of it as well. Terrible parents, though, they just push their kids to do whatever the terrible parent thinks should be done in that moment without ever allowing your kids to explore the situation at all. They say things like, because I said so, instead of using teaching moments to strengthen their children. So if you want to be a crappy coach, you should do that too. Ignore your client's questions. Just order them around like mindless automatons. Remember, you're the boss, and man, you are far too important to answer questions from peons. You don't have time to engage your clients in the process and help them develop a deeper, more meaningful understanding of the why, and the why of, I'm sorry, why the exercises you chose matter, or how to manage your diet and nutrition. You don't have time for that. After all, if you teach them things, they may not need you. And it is, after all, all about you. Remember, terrible parents also withhold their approval unless whatever they expect is completely and 100% fulfilled by their kids. Approval is a bargaining tool to get them to do what you want, completely and all the time. Otherwise, you could, they can expect your dismissiveness, your scorn, and your derision. And they should. When their children struggle, terrible parents belittle that struggle. They minimize it and the effect it's having on their kids. They'll say things like, suck it up and don't be a wuss. Even better, and this is really the best way to go if you want to be a complete crappy coach, they'll compare the struggling child to an older, more su successful sibling or other family member. Saying things like, why can't you be more like, insert soon-to-be-hated family member here. Terrible parents either dismiss their children's struggle, minimize their children's ability to rise above it, or simply destroy their will to succeed at all by belittling and shaming them. Anytime they actually flat out fail at something, be sure to catalog that and repeatedly bring it up as motivation to do better. Because kids and clients love to have their shortcomings thrown back in their faces. It's motivational, right? Being a terrible parent is the surest path to repetitive struggle and failure for your clients. So definitely don't support them mentally and emotionally when they struggle and be sure to rub the resulting failures in their faces like salt in a wound and compare them to others as often as possible. That's the best way to raise their self-esteem. Do whatever it takes to be the kind of quote-unquote parent who raises insecure, incapable, dependent sociopaths who are incapable of any kind of autonomy, resiliency, and long-term focus on success. Your clients will love you all the more for it. Way number three that you can be a crappy coach. Be a complete self-absorbed douche. Remember, there is nobody on planet Earth or in the whole universe more important than you. The sun rises and sets on you. You are the be-all, end-all, know-all coach to whom every other coach should look up. In fact, why you don't have 3 million followers on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, each, that is, is a question for the ages. Anybody you follow on social media should really write you a handwritten thank you card and send you money every month. You, my spandex-wearing, green-juice-drinking, hot goat yoga loving friend are an influencer. But that's not easy. It takes work to maintain a big enough following to get a free jug of protein and some free muscle, muscle shirts or free yoga pants every month. Selfie after selfie, some motivational pablum thrown in, spiced off with all your meal prep photos and topped off with mirror shots of you in the gym. But not because you want to educate anyone or inspire them to a better life. No, 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 no. Your look at me social media lifestyle is designed to get you likes and comments along with free stuff. People who see your social media and think you know enough to help them improve their physiques and their lives 
they quickly see something different once they hire you. That's when the tyrant and the terrible parent come out to snuff out any dissent and put those pesky clients back in line. You make sure they don't think about why they hired you and what's different once they do. Obviously, your training environment must have mirrors. I mean, where else are you going to check out your glorious self? Who else are you going to look at? Your clients? No way. I mean, have you seen what kind of shape they're in? And Wi-Fi is critical too. Really good Wi-Fi with a strong signal. After all, you've got lots of social media posts to make and read while your clients are carrying out your crappy one-size-fits-all quote-unquote system for transformation sports-specific training or whatever. Oh, we're coming back around for that too, so hang in there. And never make your social media about anybody but you. The only exception is if your client accidentally reaches their goal using your quote unquote cutting edge exercise and nutrition program and is willing to go on video to sing the praises of you and said system. But be sure most of that post is a call for people to pay you. Of course, any progress your clients make or don't make is all about you. If they happen to succeed, that was all you, baby. You're a genius and a motivator and a fitness guru. If they don't make progress, well, it's because they failed you in a personal, vicious, and intentional manner. They're trying to hurt you and ruin your business. You should fire those losers. If there are other trainers or coaches working in your training environment, be sure to roll your eyes at what they do with their clients. Make sure you tell your clients how dumb their training is and how inferior it is to your system. Nothing makes clients feel more comfortable than a lack of camaraderie among coworkers or people sharing the same space. When talking with your clients, always remember to return the conversation to you, your stuff, your opinion, and all that matters to you. Oh, oh, also, oh gosh, don't forget this. Always one-up your clients, or anybody else for that matter, when they share a problem, a challenge, or a success. People love that. Number four way to absolutely be a crappy coach. Be absolutely and unwaveringly dogmatic. This individualized program stuff is for losers. You've got a system. Your system worked for you, and it's worked for every successful client you've ever trained, all three of them. Assess your clients. Why? They're human beings, right? You've got this awesome one-size-fits-all training and nutrition program, so let's just dump them in there and get to work. Knees hurt when they lunge? Power through it, pansy. Shoulder and neck pain during barbell squats? Toughen up, buttercup. You need squats, and this is how we do it around here. Remember, the only time you should change anything in a client's program, and this is very important, is when you see something really cool, cool on Instagram or YouTube, then every one of your clients should be doing it and right away. Get them all standing on BOSU balls juggling dumbbells because that's what you saw the guy who trains those NFL wide receivers doing, so it must work. Changing a client's program just because they're not ready for the level of challenge offered or because something hurts or even because they really don't enjoy an activity is a sign of weakness as a coach, and that is definitely not you. You're a beast. If your client comes in wired to the hilt with stress, ignore it and crush them. Don't take time to do any breathing work or yoga or mobility and stretching or anything else that might get them out of the red, so to speak. There's nothing like a killer workout to fix those pesky emotional and mental breakpoints. Never change anything for anything. After all, you didn't get your awesome physique by giving in a weakness, right? We're about to get to our last surefire way to be a crappy coach. And I hope you've enjoyed this so far. But right now, we're going to take a moment for a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, welcome back to the Four Pillar Fitness Podcast, and I hope you're enjoying today's podcast, Five Surefire Ways to Be a Crappy Coach. Uh, we're going to get to the last one right now, uh, and I hope you and, and we're going to hope this helps. Uh, if you're looking to be a crappy coach, I think this is the way to do it. Number five, 
Make everything about winning and losing and make sure it hurts to lose. Hey, the world's a tough, demanding place. You're either winning or losing. There's no standing still. And you, my overbearing friend, intend to win. Am I right? Make sure those idiot clients get this. You're competing to be the best, richest, most influential coach, influential coach on planet Earth. You need the biggest social media following. You need to have the most successful clients. You need to have the coolest toys. And you need to eat and drink all the newest and hippest fitness foods. And they need to help you get it all. The only way to get all that stuff? Win, baby. Your clients have to not only compete with themselves, but they must always be competing with all your other clients and everybody else's clients too. Be sure to use lots of comparisons to client, of, of clients to one another, even if they don't know one another and even if they're not interested in competing. If, in fact, if they end up resenting other people they don't even know, you're probably doing it right. And like I said before, don't forget to make it a competition against the clients of other coaches too, even if that coach could care less about it, loser. Since this is a competition, there should be prizes for winning. Be sure you don't share any of those, physical or other, with your clients. You don't want them getting the idea that they're succeeding or that they're important. That might give them the wrong kind of motivation. If they lose, though, man, you've got to have appropriate penalties and punishments for losing for sure. Suit it and lose the five pounds and at a time desired? Now it looks like 10 minutes of nonstop burpees and double-unders, but after she finishes a regular stupidly brutal workout, Bob didn't stick to his meal plan this week? Oh, he gets verbally abused and berated live in your private Facebook group. And if you don't win trainer of the month in your club or hit your tar revenue target in your own studio, God help those losers you call clients. Make sure your clients know you expect to win. Winning, of course, means they succeed all the time, every time, and give you all the credit for it. See number, reason number, uh, surefire way number three, be a complete self-absorbed douche. So those are the big five if you want to be a crappy trainer or coach. There are some other little things, too, like ignore birthdays and anniversaries and other meaningless holidays and occasions, and be sure to yell a lot. It gives you way more credibility and authority. And force them to buy crappy multi-level marketing supplements from you. This is especially true if you sell those lame-ass cleanses or detox, detox products. Even if they don't want or need them, you need stuff, and stuff costs money. Of course, most coaches and trainers don't want to be crappy. They really want to be great. They'd way rather be effective, thorough, attentive, interactive, and successful in a more meaningful way. And a good start would be, yeah, you got it. Avoid all the stuff I've suggested here. So here's a few quick guidelines that may, might help you be an effective, successful coach or trainer. First, assess your clients. Not just a movement screen. That's important. Do those for sure. Ask about their previous fitness and nutrition experiences. Find out what they liked and disliked. See how they felt about how it worked out, whether it was successful or not. You might just find that some of your clients' less successful attempts at fitness were some stuff they really enjoyed. They just didn't stick with it long enough, or maybe they didn't have the right guidance, or maybe their diet was off. Next, individualize. Even if you work in a group fitness setting, try to customize activities to meet people where they are. Fitness levels, current injuries, fears, and other limitations may mean they can't do certain things. Whatever the setting, one-on-one, -on -one, semi-private, or group, find a way to keep them in the game. Next, keep them involved. Explain the why behind the things you do. Ask for their opinion on activities or programs. Ask open-ended, emotionally reflective questions. This is where you're going to get your best information and your most your biggest buy-in. Next, celebrate process wins. I love this one. This is so important. Sometimes making it to all their appointments is a challenge. Don't hesitate to celebrate that. If they've got struggles at home, if they've got a big family, they've got to drive kids all over the place, it makes it hard for people to get to their appointments and to their sessions. Make sure they know how much you appreciate that. It doesn't have to be a huge deal. 
Just tell them that you recognize they overcame some challenges to keep their commitment to themselves and their fitness. Let them know when you see them, uh, I'm sorry, let them know when you see them moving better or doing something more smoothly or easily. If they stick to their meal plan or get all their sleep or water in, celebrate that in an appropriate way. If it's something you want them to repeat, let them know it matters in a positive and reinforcing manner. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to listen to this very closely. If it's, if it's a behavior or an activity that you want them to repeat, you must let them know that it matters in a positive and reinforcing manner. Manner. Celebrate the process wins. Next, put your damn phone away. Look, I use my phone for video and photos too, but sometimes I find myself getting distracted by a text or a notification. Every time I read one of those, it takes my attention away from the most important thing in my life at that moment, my client or my clients if I have a group. No matter how big an influencer you are, or how many followers you have, you have more to gain by liking and commenting on your client's actual work than on any social media counter post. I'll say that again. No matter how big an influencer you are, how many followers you have, or how big a deal you think you are, you've got a lot more to gain by liking and commenting on the stuff that's happening right in front of you with your clients than on any social media post or account. Next, accountability and the proper dose and timing. Man, I, I can't tell you how many times I see what I, what I talked about earlier. Coaches just beating people over the head with accountability, man. It's just ridiculous. One of the areas to assess your clients in is their ability to accept and their, tolerant, and their tolerance for accountability. Some people love it, others are a little bit squeamish about it. Read your client and apply accountability accordingly. The week that your client is dealing with a family member in the hospital, for example, is not likely to be the week to use accountability too heavily. On the other hand, if your client's been crushing it in the gym and, getting his, and hitting all his goals or her goals, and they decide to take a binge weekend, eh, that's another story. You might wanna have an accountability conversation with that person. Last, but absolutely not least, this might be the most important one. It is not about you. It's not about you. My friend, and I'm honored to call him my friend, and a fabulous coach, a terrific coach, Paul Theo from FMU Fitness in Ohio, has this phrase on his gym walls. It's on t-shirts and on sweatshirts. It's all about their business. This whole process, this entire profession is about others serving them, loving them, putting them in positions to be successful, and then letting them have the spotlight when they win. Show your clients a path to success in their fitness, wellness, nutrition, and performance. When they get there, remind them that they're the ones who put in the work. They need to be reinforced and celebrated in that way. And I'll tell you a story to back this up. So last summer, one of my college football players pulled a 600-pound barbell deadlift during a PR day. I mean, this was, this was just a badass lift, just flat out. And we were PRing in, in, in all the four big lifts in our gym that day. And after he did it, he said, thank you, coach. I couldn't have done it without you. Now, I appreciate that, but I gently reminded him that he was the one who had put in the thousands of maximal and submaximal reps, as well as the countless reps of other associated and accessory exercises, excuse me, and all those hours in the gym to get to that point. All I did was build a plan. He put the work in. Yeah, I coached him, and yes, I helped him get better, but he had to show up. He had to overcome challenges. He had to beat the clock, beat the time, beat, beat the life in some cases to get there and put the work in, and he did it. Now, was my plan for his training right and appropriate? Yeah, I think so. I believe in my programming ability. I think I'm pretty good at it, and it's, over the years, it's proven itself out pretty well. But at that moment, it wasn't about that. It was far more important for him to know he was hugely capable of doing great things and that I believed in him. It's not about you, but it does begin with you. 
if you really want to be a, gr a great coach or trainer, please don't let it end with you. I hope you enjoyed this more. I hope it moves you to be better. The fitness performance of coaching profession can use a lot more better. As always, you know how to reach me. You can reach me on Instagram at Coach Phil Houston. Spell the last name right, H-U-E-S-T-O-N. Please visit the website, uh, CoachPhilHouston.com. Again, spell the last name right, H-U-E-S-T-O-N. Uh, feel free to reach out to me um, via voice message and anchor. Um, you can reach out to me through uh, through Twitter at at Phil Houston, H-U-E-S-T-O-N again, <laughs> the last name. Let's see a pattern here, right? Please, please, please share this with people that you know who can who might get better for it. Um, and please share it. If you thought it was amusing or fun or whatever, please share it with your friends. Let them know that it was. I, I so appreciate you being here. I know you could have been doing anything else during this time. Um, I'm always so appreciative of my listeners. And as always, keep the faith and keep after it. Thank you.